From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, I'm glad we're back together for another exciting episode. And um, for those who haven't listened, uh, we're continuing our our conversation with the AV Ball guys. But how are you today, James? I'm doing great, and I look forward to this episode. Uh, our last one was great with them, so this one's going to be better. Absolutely. So without further ado, I welcome back uh, George Chaco and uh, Rich Miller, the AV Ball guys, also from Pace University and um, and also the hosts of the Cable Coffee and Curveballs podcast. Welcome, George. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, James. Um, glad to be back on here. Didn't think you'd have us back on after the first one, but here we are. Yeah. And thanks. <laughs> thanks for inviting us back. I figured George wore out his welcome uh, the first time around. So thanks for inviting us back, guys. <laughs> If there's nothing that I expect, uh, other, you know, at least we're going to have some fun. So uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> if you haven't listened to our previous episode, 128, um, uh, George and Rich gave a little bit of detail about their backgrounds, uh, their work at Pace, the education, their podcasts and so forth. So please check that out. And, um, and th- there's a lot of good content there. And where, where we left off is um, Rich had a question for us and we teased that. And in the spirit of Ask the Program, we're going to let him uh, take it away. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. So I, I'm going to take a you know a, a, an angle from branching off of what we talked about in the first episode that we were on um, about our education program. So we, we, we outlined how our students are going to go through basically five courses, uh, an intro course, a PM course, a 300 level course, which is very technical. So programming, stuff like that. Uh, an elective and then an internship. So a lot of our students are from the digital digital cinema and film area. So um, their level of technicality is might be slightly different than what a programmer would be asked to. So, but they are still going to be required to go through that course, right? Um, and from my perspective, George knows this very well. I am tech savvy. I am fairly technical, but if you ask me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, the, the, no, but seriously, when it comes to programming, I th- like that's that's not me. That's not my lane. I, I, I reach out to George. I reach out to in- other folks for that. I, I, that's just not something that I am well versed in. How would you what type of advice would you give our students that are going to be going through this program who may already say, I want to be in more in the, you know, the hands on installation or the PM or I just have no interest in programming, but they have to we want to give them that 300 level course and give them that basis so they at least like george was saying in the previous episode at least they can understand like it's not as you know it it, like once you get the hang of it like you can really jump you know and 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 build it out and build your skill set uh it's it's the idea of getting you know breaking down that initial fear i think of programming you know to me it sounds to me programming when i hear programming I, i it's i get a little nervous honestly like and i think our students get a little nervous is like, is this going to be like a, a computer science course or so like, what advice would you give our, our students that are going to be going through our minor to kind of um, be able to build that skill set from a, a program perspective and, and walk away with some tangible programming skills, even if they're not truly interested in that exact realm of AV. Uh, so I'll jump in here first. I, I would say my suggestion is start small with, so don't do anything fancy. But as you were saying, most students and even us, we like tech. We like to see things in action. You know, mm-hmm. we put the physical gear in. The gear can't work without programming. So 
throwing that gear in and doing a very simple program that, hey, I did my hard labor of putting all this gear in, connecting all the wire. Now I hit this button and fire it up. It's completing that whole cycle. Um, I, I think that magic smoke, as we always say in the tech field, is something <laughs> that they need to learn as well. It's making sure, hey, I made it blow smoke. There we go. <laughs> I like that. I, I'll, I'll kind of kind of continue on with that a little bit because one thing that I think we tell people a lot because programming tends to be the scapegoat in a, in a system. It doesn't work. It's the program. Well, <laughs> and, and programmers then have to have the knowledge of a lot of things to understand how to identify where there's a failure point or be able to talk about how each of the products work together and, and be able to effectively troubleshoot. I think that that's probably a programmer's greatest asset is being able to troubleshoot. But if you can operate a system manually without programming, that, that should be the first step. So if you teach somebody to operate a system manually and then you add the programming, then you could show them the value, but it also makes them understand what does programming accomplish. Now programming is really the, the higher level of making a system easier, making it more user-friendly, making it really work so you don't have to understand the technology behind the curtain. But a programmer needs to understand the technology behind the curtain. And if they can't make the system operate manually, they're never going to get the programming. It, I, I tell people all the time, it's not about writing code. It's about knowing what you want the code to do. Yeah. You can be taught to write code. The talent comes in in defining and writing that specification and being able to understand what it is you're going to do to deliver the right solution for your client. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it, Steve, is almost like to show them that the value of the program is have a room set up what we work in higher ed, you know, have a projector that has the computer connected to it or a Blu-ray player and say, okay, play a movie and have them go for the manual steps. And then like, all right, let's do this with code and hit them like one or two buttons. Like, you know, turning the projector on, making sure it's HMI, whatever, then hitting the Blu-ray player, hitting the buttons, or hitting one button and getting it all fired up. So that's a good one there, Steve. Eliminating seven remote controls with one button. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the overlying answer, both, both of those were great answers. I think the overlying answer, the, or the, the overlapping answer, sorry, was it, it's got to be experiential though, right? Everything's got, it has to be hands-on. And, and that's the, our biggest takeaway also with, with stuff like this is we, we are just so adamant about making sure our students are hands-on um, that they, just so they're able to realize like, okay, this, we're not, we can't, it's like, oh, can we zoom into the class? Like, no, this is not a Zoom class. You, you, you can't zoom in and terminate the cable or program, you know, that we're not doing that. Like this, we don't we're have a high flex component. Right. We don't, right. if you miss a class, that's on you. Well, you're not yeah. going to make up this homework assignment by writing a paper. You have to be here to crimp cables. You have to be here to dress the rack. Writing a five-page yep. paper is not the equivalent. You 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 could write ten pages telling me how you would dress a rack, but five bucks says six of those pages will fail when you're dressing the rack, right? <laughs> so, no, there is no makeup, there is no hybrid. You come to class, you do it. So, uh, you know, that's uh, I completely agree with that. But you know, 
I'm going to go into my nine to five and ask you a question um, uh, for both of you. You know, put my programmer hat on. Chris Netto had a um, show yesterday. Um, I think it was AI and AV, the Midwich Live, or I think that was, AI, that was Yeah, it was the, the Rise of the Machines, AI, something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. Um, iRobot's happening. Um, <laughs> you know, it got me thinking. We're just talking about stuff, hearing stuff, and we started talking about the Hudley crew. And, like, it clicked right away. And I don't know if this is dumb because, you know, I'm sure folks have thought about it and it doesn't work or works. But the Hudley crew was a fantastic solution, right? Like live, real time, you're picking up these cameras, that cameras, this camera. Now, each of these cameras, you're looking at over $1,000 a piece. So you have so much hardware and installation that goes into the room. What is keeping us from programmatically being able to leverage webcams in personal laptops in a conference room? Is there a way our laptops connect via USB into a codec somewhere? And then the AI picks up the laptop or the speaker. Like, is that impossible to do? Um, so I'll jump in here. That I, what you're talking about, I don't know if either of you seen this show, but I know you talk about streaming on your podcasts. <laughs> the show Person of Interest. That of they it. kind of do that. You no, know, okay. where they basically can jump in. Yes, that is Hollywood. It's dumb free. But in theory, you can if you know what you're doing because we already know people can hack into laptops and access the camera. Hence why everyone's putting tape over their cameras <laughs> and having the shutter, um, the manual switch. So theoretically, yes, it can be done. Um, how? I, I, I just think you're adding a lot of nuances and a lot of problematic because as programmers what we want to do we got to worry about every single scenario so if george comes in with a mac and steve comes in with an hp and i come in with a dell we got to handle all of those right could we do an ai that's a whole nother subject uh we can probably <laughs> go on forever about ai uh, but i like steve jump in the thing that I could think of is that it's similar to what Apple's introducing, right? With the Apple TV and being able to use your phone, the camera on your phone to do conferencing. So I, I, I think it, it's possible. And some of that is going to be um, uh, the brand, a brand, what one brand that is willing, wants to work together. And, you know, we talk a lot about integration and APIs and, and the whole idea of breaking out of the walled garden. And, you know, so we would like to be able to make everything work together and, and have that interoperability. I think it requires manufacturers being open-minded about it, but when, when you stay within the same brand, I think there's a greater likelihood and there's pros and cons to that, but, but it, you know, the programmers rely on being able to make things work together that shouldn't work together. Um, but, but it, but it requires the, the manufacturer being open to that and be being willing to give you access. Yeah. And we know the cross platform thing just failed. Blue jeans, the only one that did cross platform just shut down. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good luck with yeah. uh, now. It's just, you know, I was just thinking, it's like, yeah, the Hudley crew, we saw it and we we're still impressed by it, but like, you know, you look at the price tag of just a device and now you got to get integration. You got to get, you know, 
how far away are we from just leveraging what we have and not have to keep adding devices after devices after devices? Because, you know, it gets so, crazy. So I'm going to put my IT hat on here. I'm sure George and Rich, both of you both know my IT, you are aware of this, is what you're talking about, George, is what IT already knows as server spark in the data center. You know, you're throwing boxes and boxes and boxes in your data center and it just keeps growing. So what did IT do? They went virtual. Right. Made everything virtual um, to bring that down the best they can. AV will not get out of their own way and get to that point. It's, oh, no, you got to put the gray box in. You got to put the black box in. You got to hardware, hardware, hardware. When, yes, we can do so much with software. And some people are doing that now. But again, it's going to take that IT mindset. It was like, hey, this is way too much hardware. It's, you know, our classrooms are getting outfitted with more hardware than what you can see in our car. Right. Now. It really and is. It's crazy. And someone's going to go, no, this doesn't make sense IT wise, financially. And another word, sustainability. I mean, we look at e waste, all that is going into trash and not being done and that's horrible for the environment yeah i mean two that's twofold on that and i don't mean to go off too much of a tangent here but um all those devices each one of those cameras right each one of those cameras was going on the network so now what am i i'm putting a microphone i'm putting a pc i'm putting a touch panel i'm putting a processor i'm putting multiple mic uh cameras in a room all on the network i'm gonna end up taking a 48 port switch by myself you know, yep. and God forbid I try to do AV over IP with NVX or something to that flavor, then I need a $50,000 switch every time I want to build a room. Right. Yep. And it's, it's, and, and then the second part of it is, okay, now we're three years in and that camera sucks. And this new, the hundred, <laughs> you know, hundred million megapixel cameras out. And I got to get <laughs> that in this room. Cause I got to see every hair that I didn't shave off the top of my head. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy, but <laughs> We're getting laptops every four or five years because we have to. And these laptops have the latest and greatest in them. Why can't we leverage that? The laptops already on the network. Why can't we leverage that? Why are we, like like James said, why are we putting in a box for everything by itself? And go with what, George, my, I already had this conversation with my network manager. He, he looks at me and he goes, you're my biggest user of my network and the most complainer because... The, you know, the AV gear can't have hiccups. It can't do this. It, we have to have, like, yeah, it's like we cost the most money, the AV yeah. wise, is because of all the gear is on the network now. You got to be lossless package and all that stuff. And God forbid your network has standards. Half the devices don't follow most of those standards. So oh, well, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> <laughs> is that another episode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say though we've probably made significant progress in the last three to five years, a lot more than we've made in many years prior to that. To sure. to to make it to to getting out of our way, as James said, and to to be moving beyond the box and being able to 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 break through some of these boundaries, because I think that there's a lot of resistance to change, but also to companies that um, don't want to lose their relevance. You know, and, and so sometimes in order to stay relevant, you have to uh, slow down evolution. And right. <laughs> but but I think that the pandemic forced a lot of that change a lot quicker than people would have liked. 
you know, our our AV industry, every time we hit a speed bump, speed bump, in my opinion, or just like a you know information speed bump, we come out with the three D TV again, or we come up with <laughs> you know what's next twelve K TVs. Like you know, that's our answer to oh my god, I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> I think it's time to think outside the box, literally for AV, right? Mm. And that's where the programmer comes in because. <laughs> I think you just created a new million dollar idea called think outside the box, George. <laughs> but I don't know what the actual idea is yet. Or the I neither do I. But we got to think, think about it. Yeah, we got to think about, about it. Thinking outside the box is we all know about the spear. So they took the box and just made it around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, it's it's just recycling the same stuff when when we run out of ideas. And you know, again, to go back to the Hudley cameras, yeah, it's a fantastic solution now, but three years from now, I'm sure they'll come up with more megapixels or tighter framing or, you know, something like that. Nothing that is actually going to change the way we do business. And I think that's where we need to overcome that to the next level in AV. The, the final comment about your question there, George, is I think when that, that will come available where when you have the big dogs like Microsoft, Apple, IBM, Dell, really playing the game of AV. We're starting to see that HP has Poly. We're starting to see Microsoft at trade shows, Amazon at trade shows. Once they really say, hey, you know, AV companies, you're just, you're in your own way. We're the big dogs. We're going to take over because they will. Yeah. Uh, then you're going to see, oh, I have my laptop camera. I can just throw that right up on the screen. Yeah. So what you're saying is, Let's find a box, name it, doesn't matter what it does, come up with an idea and hope Amazon buys it. Exactly. Sold. Sold. I'm in. <laughs> Count me in. <laughs> As we wrap up and kind of want to just tie into our last episode about education and about um, you know how, how we can get more education about uh, control and programming, what, what, what's some something that our audience can do to help? Uh, what, what do you... What what would be um, a call to action that you would guys would be looking for to be able to help to create more awareness for the need for education, but also um, I guess provide you with some of the the ideas that you need to develop curriculum. Yeah, so the, I, I'll start, George, and I'll hand it off to you. The biggest thing I think for us is being able to. We're not trying to hide what we're doing. We're trying to partner with other higher ed institutions. So, you know, James, that's where you come into play. We have other, you know, contacts, partner with other uh, companies out there. Steve, that's where you come into play. We just had a conversation literally an hour ago with Atlantis, who we found out are literally right next door to you. So like, it's, it's like, it's a small world, but there's so many opportunities out there. And we are trying to, uh, we keep using consortium because that's the only word that we know off the top of our head, but we're trying to build like a consortium of, of schools that we can um, that we can bounce ideas off of and build this program out with, and also a pipeline that we can send our students out there into internships with um, ride-alongs. Uh, we just made that one up about an hour ago. We were like, "Hey, let's do some ride-alongs instead of you know, if we can't do an internship, maybe we could do ride-alongs." Um, and once they graduate, again, hit the ground running. George Menton, George has been talking about flattening that curve. Um, you know, even if we can just flatten it a little bit. Uh, I think that's where we're trying to make a dent uh, from from our end with this program. Yeah, and I agree. There's really not much more I can add than, you know, let's let's partner. And it's not 
this is a genuine give back to the AV kind of thing that Rich and I have going. Um, you know, for us, it's also important, like we said in the last episode, that the younger generation understands that there is an opportunity, right? There is, there is, there is a career path. There is growth within this industry that's audiovisual. Yes, it's one of the oldest industries in 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 our world that nobody knows about, right? Um, and but it's rapidly growing. There's a boom happening. You know, our folks that work in the industry need to tell our kids about it. I don't do a good job telling my kids about what I do. Um, but, you know, like uh, the, the child of a doctor, as a parent, I'm sure they talk, he talks about, he or she talks about what they do and so on and so forth. Uh, I think we need to bring that um, knowledge and information back to our our kids or people around us that we can influence and say, there is this industry that's pretty friggin' cool, you know, come, come join us, come play with us. So that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Actually, like one that. quick, one last quick thing. As Georgia made me think is my, as we were, I was falling asleep last night, my daughter like looked at me and she's eight and she was like, dad, what made you start a podcast that like out of no, this is a, don't ask me why she was still up. It was 11 o'clock at night. She, <laughs> that's the question she asked me. And I, I was initially taken way back, but then I, I, you know, it, it, I don't know why that, that, that ha it happened last night. It was fresh in my mind. What George just said made me think of it. My so, 10 year old um, has been yeah. asking me to give him a podcast for since this summer, just because <laughs> I do. He could probably do a better job than me anyways, but you know, <laughs> our, our kids, they follow us. So I think yeah. we should do a better job sharing that information with them. So yes, our kids definitely follow us. I remember when I started doing podcasts, even before this one. My um, my kids would ask me, Dad, are you famous now? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not famous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like we said, we even, our kids are mimicking what we do. But think about it, like the other day I was doing something um, for my fish tank. So I was connecting a hose to the sink and I was down one knee working on the sink because the, the angle, my son, who's three, was mimicking me, but he was working on the toilet. <laughs> I don't know why, but like he was watching Love what it. I was doing. That what Love kids it. are doing. They're mimicking their parents. They're learning yeah. and all that stuff. And like George said, we got to do a better job at explaining what AV is, what we're doing as parents. Because I have three daughters or three kids, two daughters and a son. They all know what AV is by the movie or the show Stranger Saints and AV Club. So they're like, Dad, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, kind of like they do on Stranger Things. That's the AV yeah. Club. Yes. <laughs> we got to get show. We gotta partner with Hollywood and get more shows about <laughs> AV. Yeah, absolutely. By the hey, way, now. we're starting an AV Club at Pace soon, too. So just yes. there you go. throw one out out yes. there, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's a great opportunity for schools to place their student workers. And I think that there's a great... Um, uh, and and I don't know how many of those students want to pursue a, uh, a job in the industry, but they're getting hands-on training courtesy of all of you guys. So that, that's a wonderful thing. And and the other thing I would say, James, about the famous thing, hey, if you could be found on Google, you I guess you could be considered famous. So <laughs> Hey, I know so, James King. I'm pretty sure he's a famous guy. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny story about the whole Google. It goes real quick, and that is – if anyone actually tries to Google me, the first person that's going to come up is Jamie King, who goes by James King, who's his supermodel. So I, it's kind of a joke, but the way I look at it, if you really want to find me, 
then mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to use Google and find me. But if you're just going to type it in and it's like, oh, you're Jamie King? No. Yep. Ja- Jamie King is an American actress and model in her modeling career and early film roles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, thank you guys again for being part of this. This is another great episode. And I'm sure that we'll be speaking further because if this is the uh, any indication, we have a lot to talk about. Um, uh, Rich Miller from Pace and uh, the Ball Davy guys, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about your podcast and what you're doing at Pace? Yeah. So um, at Ball Davy guys on all the major socials, we're pretty active on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or at least try to be. Um, LinkedIn, you can find me, uh, Rich Miller, and our Cables, Coffee, and Curveballs podcast is on Spotify and all your other fun streaming uh, podcast platforms. Um, George? George Chaco, G Chaco at Pace IEDU. Again, Bald AV guys. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty much what Rich said. <laughs> James, uh, how can people get in touch with you, learn more what you're up to, and uh, if you had any uh, closing thoughts you wanted to share? Um, closing thought great to have Rich and uh, George here. This is uh, always great connecting with these guys to listen to what they have, their wealth of knowledge. It's awesome what they're doing at Pace University. Um, yes, I did tell them it's late uh, hitting them <laughs> at college. At least we're doing, they're doing some. They're putting actions to words. They're now working at the high school level as well. So this is awesome what you guys are doing at Pace and keep it up. Um, like we said earlier, Google me, you'll find me if you really want to find me. Uh, again, Petma, uh, Twitter, AB underscore James King and a higher ed AV with the IT and AV call. And for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, my company, Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. But most importantly, find us here at Ask the Programmer and uh, your favorite podcast player and on YouTube, the video version. And uh, be sure to check out Cables, Coffee, and Curveballs uh, with George and Rich. They do a great job and uh, they think you're going to have a lot of fun listening to those podcasts and and uh, also reach out to them to learn more about what they're doing at Pace. They're doing some really great things. And I think most of us in this industry are really here because we are passionate about what we do. And we also really enjoy the people that we work with. So this is a good example of that. And uh, thank you guys for, for doing what you're doing. And I'm glad to get to know you guys better and learn more about what you're up to. Um, you can, uh, as I mentioned, uh, reach out to us if you have... Uh, more thoughts about this podcast and more ideas for things that we should be covering in the future. We're always open to feedback and ratings, reviews. Please share your favorite episode. And uh, if you're interested in being on the show, reach out to that as well. And with that, ask the programmer.